In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to you this week by the age Chase was when he first kissed a girl. Welcome in to episode 33 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. Uh, 14. I was 14. <laughs> and I'm Chase. Well, that's really nothing to be proud of. Chase Thompson. Heathen. Kissing girls since age 14. That's my new trademark. You can't have it. Uh, Pastor Chase Thompson. Um, Pastor Chase Thompson. Kissing girls since age 14. Well, I hope that... Uh, uh, I hope that it went to a singular girl, you know, many years ago when you got married. It has. Okay. Thank you for trying to Nick's get trying to figure out if that was the real intro, and yes, it was. So carry oh, on. Oh, then I'm – Nick, hey. I thought we would just – I don't – Well, I thought – I got nothing. Well, typically we start off on the road and go to the ditch. I just started us in the ditch. <laughs> yeah, you That did. was great. Honestly, Let's I had, see if we can dig out. I had nothing else for 33, so that was just what came to my mind. I think it's funny. I, I got married about almost 20 years ago, so I don't anything. it's been a while. Maybe I didn't <laughs> kiss for a while. Well, yeah, we did. Okay. In fact, I, I laid a big, long whopper of a kiss on her at our uh, at our first kiss at the wedding. You know, not that wasn't our first kiss, but... The did first you? married couple kissed. Yeah, did she you likes, guys? But she likes you talking about that. No, she doesn't. But did, how, how about you guys? When you got married, did was it a an impassioned kiss or just kind of a no. peck on the lips? I think it was just, ours. Was just a traditional marriage kiss. Just you know. So I told my wife, "Look, I'm going to go for it." Okay. You really? Get, you get one shot at this thing, and it's going to be memorable. One shot, as in one shot at kissing, or one, one shot, shot at the at wedding that kiss. First kiss in front of. Hundreds of people. Now I regret that I didn't make more of the moment. Well, thanks for making I me didn't. feel bad. Well, Sixteen years later, but uh, I don't know if my wife was crazy about it. Well, we should ask her. Okay, let's have her on the show. All right, you already stole his iPad one time. You want to go ahead and? Well, I really, I got no. This did is... Nick ever say hello? You're Nick. Nick I did say Nick, something. Nothing, it's it. Kissing in marriage is perfectly acceptable. Oh, I understand. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I, oh, it, look, that wasn't the point I got embarrassed. It was the the five minutes before that. Okay. Hey, I'm. everybody's really loud in my ears. Is there a reason Are you for serious that? right now? I am. <laughs> yes. yes. Is there any way to turn the two of you down where I can't hear you as, as much and I could just hear myself more? You know they make uh, medicine So if you want to contact us for any number of reasons right now, you can do so on Twitter at my gospel friends. We have a page on Facebook where we will be glad to correspond. It's uh, facebook.com slash the gospel friends. But our community where the discussion happens, uh, that's going to be the Hall of Dogma. It's a Facebook group, mm-hmm. uh, facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. Um, it is a closed group, um, it's a little bit of a wall there. Uh, we don't turn anyone down who requests membership, but we do kind of put a wall up just so um, there's a little bit of discretion there um, as people have a lot of different kind of discussions there. So we do have a little bit of a wall up, uh, play nice, and hang out. 
Awesome. If you want to, if you want to call and leave us any type of voicemail, uh, we've got a Google Voice set up two zero five five seven five nine seven three five. Or if long distance or your international is an issue, uh, we've got a SpeakPipe SpeakPipe dot com slash the Gospel Friends. I want to give out a shout out to new listeners uh, right. from the island nation of Trinidad and Tobago who have just picked us up this week, as well as the very close by island nation of. Uh, Curacao? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Sounds good uh, to me. Never okay. heard of it. But uh, it's part of the uh, former Netherlands Antilles, just off the coast of South America. And uh, another So foreign, thanks for listening. Another foreign country joined us this week, Paducah, Kentucky. We have, uh, so... You would be surprised three or four listeners to there. know, David, that uh, we have a lot of Kentucky listeners these days. In fact... It is the fourth highest state for our listeners, or Are the fifth serious? one, yeah. So, like, at this point in the show, like, early in the day, when in, in the early days of the Gospel Friends, and you would insult Kentucky. Not just Paducah. We wouldn't hear anybody just, from anybody, just but now there's a lot of Kentuckians. If someone will send me, if, if you're in Kentucky and you will send me some Paducah swag, I will wear it and tweet it out. Shameless. Yep. So, he's a Garth fan. Billy Joel actually wrote that, but then Garth redid it, and his was better than Billy Joel. What's on tap, guys? We have uh, we this is uh, this is going to be a landmark show, second episode of 2015, and we have a a very cool new feature to unveil, hopefully later. In it's the, a, technically a segment in the hour. Yeah, yeah. assuming everything feature works out, should be awesome. segment system application whatever revolutionary yeah. great. Don't worry about the details. Yep. So we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a little while. Chase, what else we're we doing? Hey, we're talking about Islam today. How should Christians respond to Islam? We're even going to drop uh, uh, some factual information on you about Islam. Top ten things you need to know about Islam in the news this week. Um, with uh, all that has happened in in France, um, so kind of a, a timely discussion to be had there. Uh, Nick, anything to add, buddy? Before we get going this today, anything you want to share? Everything all right? Life going Chilling. good? Yeah, doing well. All right. Well, we're going to start off with a, a game, guys. I'm so, still a little bit thrown off by the start of the show. I'm really waiting for the real intro. That was it. Oh, good or bad. You realize I don't know how I'm going to edit that, right? I uh, just let it just let it roll. There's been some really good editing I pulled off, but that right there, I don't know if I can fix it. Mute Chase during that whole thing, and it'll be fine. Then everybody would think I was 33 when I got my first kiss, and they would pity me. It'd be okay. There'd yeah, be a lot sure. of unanswered questions about right, your family. Right status. here, right now, let's list all the girls we've kissed and see who's kissed the most. David, okay, ready? I didn't mean to start. Allison, <laughs> liar. I'm done. Proud okay. of it. Liar. Good job. Really? You Is that true? No. I was going to say, wow, that's impressive. <clears throat> okay. In a sense, Let, impressive. Kind of unimpressive in another sort of sense. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can count on one hand. That's, that's good. I learned how to count on one hand when Wait, I was does younger. Your, does mom count? Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> when you were young. Oh. <laughs> oh At a point... That's like the biggest in the history of the Gospel Friends. That is the biggest edit okay. point we have ever had. You guys had. did not kiss your mom when you were a kid. Yes or no? Oh, my gosh. I'm, so, I'm, I'm as discombobulated now as Nick was earlier on I'm in the show. I'm not sure what's happening. 
<laughs> it was a very simple question. Also today on Gospel Friends, <laughs> different kinds of kisses and what they mean and what context it's appropriate to talk about each in. Brotherly kiss? Yes. From the, from the Bible? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know if I want to talk about Okay. All right. Why don't we just move? Why don't we? Yeah. Let's why get into that you game. Move? All yep, right. So, yep, yep, yep. you know. Help us, Lord. Chase, go ahead. Okay. Today's game. Oh, wait. No, I'm supposed to say it's time to play the game. What in the world has been happening? <laughs> I really have to know. <laughs> hey, look. Sometimes planes take off. I mean, sometimes planes crash on takeoff. And sometimes it takes a while. But, you know, they, sometimes they they just crash right out of the gate. So. Oh, dear Lord, so why, why dear Lord, please let the plane get in the air. Why are y'all so scared to admit that you kissed your mom when you were a kid? Can you All right. That, so, can you David, that, that out as a sound clip? Because that's awesome. <laughs> okay. So, guys, what we're doing today is um, we, uh, all of us gospel friends, enjoy some food. May or may not have kissed their mother. And we we enjoy we enjoy some food and we enjoy some fast food. We like going to fast food restaurants, especially Nick and Chase. Um, and so, what I've come up with this yes, week because we like to fellowship <clears throat> with the community of Christ that's around us. Unlike some people that don't go to lunch, it was probably it was probably more of an out of shape joke. But um, anyway, well, I knew what it was. Just, just get to the game, DM. All right. So what we're doing is we are going over. Uh, I'm going to give you a fast food item that is no longer available, mm. and you are going to tell me which restaurant used to produce that item. What a clever game. Yeah. So don't let it go to your head. I will not. All right. So we're going to um I usually start with Chase, so we're just gonna do like a gospel friend swerve here and I'll start with Nick. Oh dear. Nick, this uh uh this particular food item, I need you to tell me the restaurant that it came from. Uh the this item was called Burger Shots. Two thousand and nine was the last uh uh Last time you could get these burger shots. I'm, I'm going to. There's a couple places I can think of, but I'm going to guess Burger King. Burger King is correct. Oh, One well, point. We, I would have said Taco Bell there. <laughs> I see you're going to do really good <laughs> at this, Chase. Uh, this is a gimme. Uh, as a matter of fact, if Chase, I'm, I'm not David. We can we can pretend to be friends. I think okay. if you listen to, I can't remember if you the animosity is right there. Yeah, episode or not. But anyway, the Super Bar. The Super Bar. Oh, the Super Bar was one of my favorite Wendy's innovations yes. from back in the late 80s. Yep, absolutely. We talked about that on the show. I think Manuel was here, and I can't he remember. He was. So, and so it was, uh, that was a great – we used to go – It was get, the dream team, and then Chase had to come back. Uh, <laughs> we, had, so, uh, we had taco. You had Mexican. You could get on the There was Super a whole bar. bucket of nacho cheese, yes. and it was unlimited. The good kind of yellow cheese, yes. which I happen to really like. Do you like the yellow cheese? Well, it's not good for you, and it's probably not cheese at all, but it's, you know, back in the day to have unlimited access to that stuff. Yeah. That was amazing. What else did they have? So they had potato bar. Had potato, had tacos, uh, taco meat. Yeah. I think they had chili. That they had chili. And, and they had salad. Do you know, did, I don't know you know if you ever went back and listened to that show, but why they don't have that anymore? I want to say I was on that show because oh I can't remember I remember it pretty clearly they don't have it anymore because they were losing money on it no that is incorrect oh no it was so successful that uh, well yes I'm sorry you, I apologize you are correct they were losing money it was so successful they were losing money precisely on it. Yes, yes you're right because people like me would be like oh, no you're right. they were offering it for a very 
low price. Yep. People were uh, hammering them out. And also, the they weren't hiring anybody else to run the super yeah. bar. And so the the other people, their regular workers were having to do it, and it was pushing them too thin. So they were a product of their <laughs> own success. All right, Nick, uh, question number two for you. The Hula Burger. The Hula Burger? The Hula Burger, which was um, – Trying to see, it was a made like a cheeseburger with a grilled pineapple slice in place of the patty. So it cheese, mustard, mayonnaise, all that. But instead of a hamburger, it had a pineapple slice of pineapple. Yeah, that doesn't sound very good. Doesn't look very good either in the picture. But I uh, love pineapple. I, but I'm going to guess Hardee's just because it seems. No, it actually was McDonald's. Was it really? Yeah. McDonald's? Yep, McDonald's. I've read this on a couple of websites. I don't know what year it was, but oh. yes, it was the uh, – it was launched before – I don't agree with this. It was launched before the fish fillet, so that shows you how old, oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. How old, old. it was. So, all right, Chase, uh, back over to you, my friend, and um, this one is called the uh, uh, Piccolo's. 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 Hmm. Which is pretty much what it sounds like, but uh, like fried pickly things. Yep, fried pickly things. Okay, Piccolo's. I'm going to say Crystal. Actually, it was Sonic. Oh, jeez, Sonic. I, I, you're right. I, it is. It, I kind of remember those I could, things. I could see a Sonic pulling that off or trying it. This one is. Uh, this was um, a right. gimme. So that's two points for me. No, that's uh, that, really going to be one. Really? one point for you, <laughs> Thompson. All right, Nick. This one's going to be. This is a gimme. If you think about it, the peg leg dinner. Peg leg dinner. I'm guessing it's Captain D's based on the oh, statement. No. Gimme. It's the other chase for the steel. Long the John Long Silvers. John oh. Silvers. I'm I'm a Captain D's man. Sorry. So are you? Uh, you're Captain D's. You. Would, well, there's just not a lot of Long John Silvers around here. I, I like just, Long John no, Silvers, but it, it's my, difficult to find. The the two fast food fish places are. Yeah, near near where I am. Like, straight up, I like that that crunchy, greasy Captain D's fish. It can't be good for you, but it sure is tasty. Yeah, you're gonna need to run two laps after that. To <laughs> I actually like to run, uh, and I've heard people doing this. Um, but I would take just a box of the the crust stuff that goes on the outside of the fish. It's called like cracklin. Yeah, and you can actually not good for you. you can actually just go through and order that from. No, you can't. Yes, you can. Oh no! I've had many people sinful. tell me you can just go. Th- I've intrigued Nick. He is interested. Oh no, I'm, it, I'm not intrigued in going to the drive-through. I just do. You have a last will and testament <laughs> written out. Like, is your family going to be provided on, for? It's not like that's the, the worst death thing by fast I, food, dude. That's pretty nasty. All right, Chase. This is uh, this is a more recent one, but chicken fries. Chicken fries. It'll be chicken fries. Chicken. Uh, that would be, I think, Burger King. It, it was Burger King, and they were correct. good. I believe our uh, one of our listeners, Pyro, was a big fan of the chicken fries, and like uh, literally, he liked those. I think so. And you liked them, Nick. This mm. sounds kind of gross. I will say though. I, I mean, look, I, I got some were they a delicacy I couldn't live without. No, but I'd order them. They were interesting. Who did the uh, the fried onion fries recently, or the pickle the fries? The fried onion fries. Don't know about or that. Pepper fry. I don't know. I, I had some sort of fried thing in a box that was really good lately, but. All right, uh, Nick. This one should be for you a uh, yeah. We thought that last a time. gimme. Although this was from the eighties, it may have been before you was born. But the chicken little sandwich, the chicken little sandwich. 
much. I'm going to guess crystals just because of the actually Kentucky Fried Chicken. Really? Yep. Uh, okay. See, I was going with the yeah the chicken little. I give up. Little. Sorry. Um, that was okay. that was actually kind of difficult, David. I think you're taunting Nick. I, I agree. All right, Nick. For this, well, such as the for an extra point, really, or a point in all. Thank this you. is this is a little bit of a twist. So this is oh, not boy. a food item. It is a mascot. That uh, oh, is no. associated with this restaurant, the Noid. The Noid. Uh, it's Pizza Hut, isn't it? Nah, not Pizza Hut. Domino's. Domino's. How do I not avoid the Noid? Avoid the Noid. So the Noid was always trying to. Um, so is there something I missed being born like three years later than the, the two of you people? <laughs> Clearly. Uh, this was. Uh, that See, was, I knew uh, it was pizza, though. The Noid was always trying to. Um, the Noid was trying to make the pizzas cold. Yes. So. Uh, Nick, what uh, did they have to do to get you people to sorry, buy pizza Chase. when y'all were growing up? All right, that's a good point. That's a good question. They didn't have to enter. Of course, I grew up with the Ninja Turtles, and so we ate pizza. <laughs> well, speaking of pizza, Chase, this particular fast food restaurant used to serve uh, pizza and also chicken fajitas. Pizza and chicken, chicken fajitas. fajitas, and I will just warn you, it is it is uh, it, it's. Not Pizza Hut Domino's or Taco Bell. Okay, I'm going to guess McDonald's. It is McDonald's. So nice. McDonald's used to serve chicken fajitas, and they would serve um, uh, pizza. Wow. Way back when. All right, I've got one for you that's okay. just kind of randomly thrown out there. Do you remember who served Beefy Burgers? Beefy Burgers? Yes. Oh that was a sitcom. Of, it was on a sitcom, wasn't it? I'm looking it up to make sure uh, it's not just something I made up in my head for what we used to call these things. Beefy burgers. Well, he's looking that up, Nick, because I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to give you two in a row to try to catch up because Chase is just kind of well, kicking your you. rear end right now. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate uh, that. This is one that we talked about on the show, okay? So if you've been paying attention to any of these we've done, the double down, the double down. We didn't talk about this. It involves two... Fried chicken breast patties. Oh, KFC. KFC. That is mm. correct. Give you a point there. And Nick, now that I know what it is, which pizza chain used to serve the Bigfoot pizza? Bigfoot pizza. Can't get it anymore. Which is the whole point of this game? I can see a couple of them doing it. I'm going to guess Domino's. Real long. Uh, no, it was Pizza Hut. Pizza. Did you ever? That was one of the ones. And they also had my favorite. Um, the Big New Yorker, which they got rid of, yeah. which was a great pizza. Who they had came beefy, in a, who had beefy burgers? It, it, well, that's what we called it. It was actually the Bell Beefer. Taco Bell? Yes. Wow. Taco Bell, when they that. first came to our city when I was a kid, had a burger. And it was it was with taco meat and, uh, and salsa and all that. And I, that was my favorite thing at Taco Bell. I did not the know The Bell that. Beefer. I've not heard that. All right, well, Chase, you're going you're gonna to win the game today, it appears, but let me give yeah. you one more here to uh, just close us out. The Africa. Ooh, the Africa, Africa. had um, – it was uh, um, flatbread with beef patties, cheese, tomatoes like on pita bread, flatbread. And it was called the Africa? Yep. Sounds a little politically insensitive. Which, interestingly enough, is why they ended up pulling it. Well, I'm not surprised. Uh the Africa, how about we go with Hardee's? Nope, it was McDonald's. Oh. And apparently in 2002 when it was released. Uh, Did they have in, commercials with runners? I don't know. It was in Norway, so it wasn't huh. around here that they released <laughs> it. Say, but, uh, 
but I they they that. released it and a lot of bad publicity because people were saying we have millions of people starving in Africa and you have created a burger called the McAfrica. So uh, they pulled it. So, Chase, congratulations on winning mm-hmm. the game today. Obviously, you. you know your fast food. Go ahead. Go run a lap. Make, make a fat joke, Dave. <laughs> let's, just, let's just make a joke like that. Did you just say uh, go run a lap? I did. All right. Okay. Let's pause it, and Chase, you go run a lap. How about we I'm have a, a loser. How about we have a gospel friends race and see who wins? All right. We just paused it. Chase is actually hyperventilating outside the door, so in just a moment, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be back in. Let's all hope you recover from your wounds. By the time the next show rolls around, David, because you are cruising for a bruising, as my dad used to say. All right, it is time. It is time to get serious and on the straight and narrow. Chase, take us there. Okay. Really, after all that, we're going to. Yeah. After all you, that. You lead, we'll follow. We're going to let Captain Fast Food. Captain Fast Food. All right. <laughs> you guys. I, I I don't know if I can jarringly go into a serious topic, so let me give you a question. Downing large buckets of fries and kissing girls since 14. I don't like fries very much. Not not nearly as much as some. Onion rings? No, onion rings are pretty good. Okay, cheese sticks? Um, yeah, they're really good. Cereal. Know, like as you guys know, the thing cereal. that keeps me from being uh, minute bowlish is cereal bowls. How about that for a dad joke? Okay, any, any of you guys seen Taken 3? Uh, I have not seen Taken 3 yet. So how do you I've think his move one, works? In Taken 1 and 2. Not when he's got one. a gallon-sized bowl of cereal? cereal with milk, and he's, hey! <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. Man. Janet. Look, you guys up for a handicap uh, two-on-one gospel friends wrestling match this week? Because I'm mad at both of you. And I'm, <laughs> did you see the, I'm ready the to fall fight. Jeff Hardy took, by the way? Anyway, oh, I did not. Have, you, have you ever seen Captain Crunchy eat cereal? I haven't. Okay. I is, it, is it about like that? Is there like a shovel involved? Like <laughs> I do use a big spoon. He's, all right. But Captain, and I will not Captain eat cereal Crunchy. around other so people. Here, here's, no, you will. So Captain Rarely. Crunchy, let me pull back the curtain here. So we have prayer every Sunday before um, oh, the service he bring, begins. He, he, no, he does cereal a lot. So he comes in. because he, Epic. He's just down the road. So he comes in, makes his cereal before he leaves in a cup, and he, he comes in and he, in he eats it. Yeah. And he eats it. In the office while we're praying. So what you hear is like, Sam, Father, be with us today. And then in the background, you hear... I'm I'm just trying to sit over there, not bust out laughing. We're going through Psalm 119. It's it's very poignant. Well, if you've been to our prayer times, Sam gives us about a seven or eight minute cushion of prayer and reading the Bible (laughs) where we can just listen. So I'm praying along and eating cereal. That's not a sin. And I'm, we're not making this up for the show. This really, no, happens. It really, it really, happens. really happens regularly. Um, and then, and then you or I pray at the end. So and Chase was very, Chase was very, awesome. so, Chase was very solemn this morning. And so I asked him what was wrong after prayer, and he I'm said, "Not a morning person." And he said that he had spilled a cereal in the car. That is also true. So he was upset. That he had lost some wah, wah, some O's. Wah, wah. How are your hemorrhoids, by the way? Okay. Okay, so... He's talking to you, Nick. Go ahead. <laughs> sure he is. For real, you guys haven't seen Taken? I've not seen Taken 3. I have saw Taken 1 and 2. It's Love Taken 1. Had, didn't care for Taken 2. Well, I hear Taken 3 makes Taken 2 look like Taken. So, maybe we'll get a review. What? That's profound. Yeah, I thought it was profound, too. All right. 
Let's We're going to talk about Islam today, how Christians should react to Islam. If you happen to be you listening— You want to go get something? I mean, you go get a drink and let Chase take this. Hey. I'm good. <laughs> Pay attention. This Sorry. is a serious I'm topic. Attention. I'm paying attention. I'll just, by the way, I actually have some homebrew from a friend of the, a friend of the friend of the hall. Oh, this is Wait. one of the few gospel friends topics we've ever taken up that is so serious that if we butcher it, people might. Yeah, let's just keep going. So go ahead. <laughs> there I'm might listening. be consequences. I'm How listening. about that? So we okay. take this topic with a severe, severe amount of respect. Uh, respect is the right word. Fear and trembling. Uh, and we actually prayed for the sh- before the show for wisdom. So uh, we are getting into our uh, our more serious talk here. This week, you know, a lot of people listen to the podcast kind of uh, out of phase with the date. But this is the week where uh, the terrorists in Paris, France, attacked uh, the uh, good people of Charlie Hebdo magazine, ultimately slaughtering 12 people, wounding many others, uh, two Islamic gunmen. As they went in, uh, they essentially shouted out, um, we have avenged the prophet Muhammad. And as uh, Richard Dawkins, no friend of the show, but he insightfully said this week, some useful idiot will claim it had nothing to do with religion, uh, which very clearly it had a lot to do with religion. So we're going to talk today about how Christians should respond to Islam. And and I thought a good place for us to start was to go through a very excellent article by missiologist Zane Pratt uh, that appears on CrossForTheNations.org. And and, uh, Zane Pratt originally wrote this for the uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Top 10 things every Christian should know about Muslims. Now, we can't spend too too long on each one of these, but uh, just as a foundation for our discussion, let's kind of fly through this. I'll do the first one. David, you have number two. Um, Nick, over to you for the third, and then so on. We'll rotate. Number one thing you need to know about Muslims is this. Muslim and Arab do not mean the same thing. Muslim is a religious term. Arab is an ethno-linguistic term. Muslim describes a religion that anybody can have and adhere to. Arabs are a people from a certain part of the world. All right. The second one, the word Islam means submission. A Muslim is someone who submits to God. The Islamic conception of who God is and how he is to be worshipped and served is based on the teaching of Muhammad. Thus, the Islamic creed is there is no God but God, and Muhammad is his prophet. All right. Third, there are two major denominations of Muslims. Uh, Forgive me, uh, Sunni and Shi'i. Sunnis are the majority of at eighty percent of all Muslims. The split occurred in the first generation after the death of Muhammad. Muhammad excuse me, and it was based on a dispute over who should succeed him as leader in, of the Islamic community. All right, number four: Islamic theology could be summarized as belief in one God, His prophets, His books, His angels, His decrees, and the final judgment. Islam teaches that humans are born spiritually neutral, perfectly capable of obeying the requirements of God completely. That is, of course, quite a contrast from uh, a biblical understanding of some level of depravity in human beings. All right, so this one's important uh, for us. Islam teaches Jesus was a great prophet. So Islam affirms that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he performed mighty miracles, and they will come again at the end of history. It even calls him a word from God. 
However, it explicitly denies the deity of Christ. It repudiates the title Son of God as blasphemous. It also, according to the majority view, denies that he died on the cross, claiming that the visage of Jesus was imposed on someone else who was then crucified and Jesus was taken up into heaven without tasting death. So Islam explicitly denies the possibility of substitutionary atonement. All right. Number six, Islamic practice can be summarized by the five pillars of Islam. These are comprised of the confession of faith, prayer. Uh, this is while facing Mecca and going through the prescribed set of bowings, kneeling, and prostrations. Alms taken as tax in some officially uh, Islamic countries, fasting. Uh, the month of Ramadan, during which Muslim, Muslim believers believe Muslim believers fast during the daylight hours, but can eat while it's dark, and pilgrimage. Uh, and this is the pilgrimage to Mecca. All right. Number seven. And this is true, although a lot of Christians and a lot of conservatives are going to struggle with this one. It is true that the vast majority of Muslims are not terrorists. Normal Islamic religious law does forbid the intentional killing of non-combatants in battle. It also forbids suicide. Now, at the same time, there is a small but impactful minority of Islamic people that reject those tenets, and they do believe in terrorism, but the vast majority of Muslims are not terroristic. And this is uh, also something that some would uh, deny. As you said, Muslims can be some of the friendliest, most hospitable people on earth. I know this uh, personally from um, uh, um, personal experience. They make great neighbors, great friends. No Christian should be afraid to build a relationship with a Muslim. And, and that, you know, that's true. We we often at the Hall of Dogma Church go and eat at a restaurant owned by Islamic people, and they know we're church people. They've learned our names. And when I say often, I mean for years we've done this, and we've probably, each one of us have eaten there hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, and they're they're kind to us unfailingly. We get along quite well to, with them, and, and it's very easily said. They are very friendly and hospitable to us, even though we have billions of children, and I'm sure we make <laughs> quite a mess in their restaurant frequently. And, and, and I would... Don't have time to discuss this, but I think that's one of the things Rick Warren has gotten in a lot of heat for trying to build bridges with Muslims in in his uh, neck of the woods, so to speak. And um, that, you know, there's you know probably reasons for that, but I mean, he has ultimately just tried to reach out and and build some relationships with that community for the purpose of reaching with the gospel, according to his testimony. And that's created some issues for some. Yeah, and when that speaks well to point nine, because and this is this is where it all comes down for me. Muslims need salvation through Jesus Christ, and for any of us as believers, um, I think that should be the thing that's first and foremost on our minds. I understand, you know, especially in light of situations like this, the concern of safety and the different things we hear in the media. But um, at the end of the day, they like us at one time by God's grace, and, and other people need mm. salvation, and that's only coming through Jesus. Amen. Absolutely. Finally, number 10. Uh, and again, this is the top 10 things every Christian should know about Muslims by uh, Zane Pratt, the missiologist. Uh, God loves Muslims, and so should we, even those few who are our enemies. We should love them enough to befriend them, love them enough to make them welcome in our homes, and love them enough to share the gospel with them. So, guys, in the context of those 10 things we need to know about Muslims, obviously everybody is buzzing this week on the terrorist attacks, just like every time there is a terrorist attack, this all of these discussions kind of come to the forefront. So I noticed a very good friend uh, this week 
posted uh, commentary from uh, Bill O'Reilly on Fox News. Uh, he had on with him – O'Reilly had on him with uh, – uh, for the show Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, who's retired uh, military. And he asked them the question, what do you do about this current jihad that's going on? And this was Lieutenant Colonel Peters' answer. He said, you go wherever in the world the terrorists are and you kill them. You do your best to exterminate them and then you leave behind smoking ruins and crying widows. And, and I'm looking through all of these comments, uh, 83,000 people on Facebook like it, and there's, there's just thousands and thousands of comments. And, and so many of them are like, well, he should be our president, not the moron we have right now. Uh, and, and all of these things, his answer is honest and true. This is what we need, but the president won't do it. There's, I, want, I want to speak frankly and not get into pol- politics too much. It's easy to say we need to go kill all the terrorists, but – it's incredibly difficult to do. For one, not every Muslim is a terrorist. For two, we can't kill them until they've done terroristic acts. And by the way, I'm very supportive of the uh, French military that did indeed kill the the uh, shooters in the in the Charlie Hebdo instance. That's exactly the right thing to do. But we can't just go around the world killing people who are potential terrorists. That's crazy. So as Christians, now we can talk later maybe about what governments should do. We're not governments. We're not in the military. Um, I, I'm totally in support of law enforcement and military efforts against terrorists. But as Christians, how should we deal with Muslims is, is my question and kind of the point of view that we want to uh, talk about today. I will go to you, David, first. Um, in light of the gospel, in light of the call of Jesus, in light of uh, everything that Jesus demands of us, how do we respond to Islamic people? Hey, I, I don't um, – I am probably – all right, so I'm, I'm more conservative, and, and politically I'm, I'm more conservative, although I'm a guy who I, I don't like um, – mixing politics and religion just because I in terms of I, I don't think in other words I don't think it's it's right to to have the thought process Jesus was a Republican or <laughs> to be a good Christian you need to be for gun control for the Republican platform in general. But I am more conservative politically because I'm conservative socially and um you know I, I'm personally not going to vote for someone who is, for example, you know, pro abortion. Yeah, I just absolutely. think I, I think that's just you know, I, I try to vote by my conscience, hopefully led by the the spirit, and so, um, and there are issues that I just can't bend on. Uh, but I, I I definitely take the turn off from um, the the thought that uh, let's just go and, and find quote unquote potential terrorists and kill them. Let me make, let me make this statement, um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. At one point in his life, Paul was a religious terrorist. Yeah, well, I, I, would I would say that is true. Right. So Saul persecuted followers of the way, including up to death. Persecuting Christians, including um, at least approving, if not being involved in their murder I for think, their religious. I view. think Saul, who would become Paul of Tarsus, I think Saul was the one officially overseeing the stoning of Stephen, the yeah. first Christian martyr. Seems like according to Scripture, and he was on his way to. Uh, I believe to arrest more people of the way, people of Christian faith, when Jesus stopped him on the Damascus Road. Yes. So, 
Um, my issue with saying let's kill all the potential terrorists is that you know it's it's you're killing the potential pulse. You you you. I mean, I know many Muslims who converted from that religion, became Christians, and are serving today as as um, uh, voices for the gospel. And and I don't think it's I. I Personally, don't think it's our place to be the prejudge of someone. Now, I, I, I do happen to think that the Bible gives the sword to the government in terms of capital punishment. So yes. that's another discussion, probably for another day. But um, to say well, we're going to go and find the potential terrorist and those that could possibly one day become terrorists, and let's just begin killing them and leaving widows. I, I have a lot of heartache with that statement. And to be clear, that's not precisely what the, the lieutenant colonel said. He just said we should go kill terrorists and that'll solve the problem. Um, that's just very complicated because uh, you don't know somebody is a terrorist until they've committed terroristic acts. You have a, a lot of what is that definition? So well, and you also those, have that it, as well. Is it the people who are – I mean look, there are many conservative people that I know who would just say – you know, essentially, if you're Muslim, you, you're you're a potential terrorist. Yes. You know, and you have, um, or um, you know, which they, is quite frankly, statistically, is not true. It, it's not. It's not true in genuine life. No, and, and, and there's a lot of nuance there. Sure. Uh, I, I I am not against people taking protective measures. I, I'm not against that. I'm not against governments taking protective measures, but. To say that that's the answer to this problem is let's just let's just go and and murder and and you're going to have to make some judgments over who terrorists are um, because it's you're not I don't think you're just talking there about people who have committed the terrorist acts you're talking about people who potentially could which means what yeah is it people in a certain area is it people who have you know begun training is it people who you know, have have made statements that they one day want to join that movement. So, you know, what is that definition? Oh, I thought this was no. One that of those wasn't times. a question to you. This is no, no. I thought this was answer. one of those times you ask a question and you give an answer. I was really hoping that's what you no, were doing, no, rather no, than not uh, there. this is one of those. Uh, I, it's one of those things I don't speak to much. Um, I think about it often. Uh, maybe not to the degree I, I should, but it's just because it's the issue as stated in these 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 ten points, as stated in the conversation that's already happened. It's such a difficult issue because you, you have people identified with this religion, uh, whether rightfully or not, based on living location, based on culture, uh, based on identifying physical characteristics based on proclamations of faith. And you have so many people identified with a culture that is become synonymous with terrorist. And first of all, you, you have a, a, a mass group of people that are, that are identified as such that, that may not even be. And then everybody, you know, especially in, in recent years have just been ah terrorist and, it's such a difficult it's just such a difficult thing to to parse um but I, you know i'm of that mind it's similar to what's been stated is is that i have to think of these these different people wherever they fall on the spectrum of um just chilling hey i was born there never identified with it 
to the devoutly religious, to the extremist. And, and what I have to, to, to choose to do, and I have to do this with all walks of life people, I have to choose to see them through the lens of the gospel. There are, there are communities around us that are, ooh, don't go there, communities. And I can't see those communities that way because the gospel says don't. Yeah. And I also see communities that go, and I look at them and I want to go, you guys should know better. And the gospel says, you can't look at them that way. They, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And, and so from the, from the Christian respect, that, that's how I – but it, it goes – it's so much bigger than Islam for, for me. But that's where I, I put these things in. The things I start warring against is when I start thinking of it from a governmental perspective. What should the government do? What should the military do? What should or shouldn't be allowed? And that is something that as I've gotten older – um, and, and seeing kind of the way different decisions have, have impacted things. I struggle with, the, the older I get, is how a Christian in politics, especially in a country where we were blessed with what we are able to, to vote and, and have the impact on, on laws that we are, and, and some would say it's not enough and some would say it's too much, but you know we do have votes and, and things like that. And how how... The, the gospel, the word, impacts us as believers in voting um, and law and things like that. It's just so, so much bigger than than I realize it at many points in my life. And, and this is one of those issues that bring it to forefront. I, in situations like this, speaking to, to the tragedy in, in, with this newspaper, and it's a very Onion-like newspaper if we're drawing a, a parallel. Is that right, Chase? Well, okay, yes. Charlie Hebdo is 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 very sarcastic. A lot of cartoons and things like it, that in there. Quite frankly, I, I've looked through a lot of the cartoons they produced of the Prophet Muhammad. They're extremely offensive. If they had written such cartoons of Jesus, we would have been quite offended. Now we wouldn't go in there and kill them, but you know things like um, uh, the Prophet Muhammad um, making out with one of the cartoonists. That sort of thing. I mean, in, in images that were much more offensive than that. Um, Muhammad being pushed around in a baby stroller. Things designed to offend were put out by that magazine. And they, they have done, to, to be fair, they have set their sights on many religions, including yes, Christianity. Absolutely. So it's not, it's not just, you know, and, and I think that's a, look, I think it's, um, I, I don't want to, you know, what, while we're sitting here doing this, it's, it's, there is a there's a right approach to the people of of um, uh, you know Islamic faith, but you know we're not going to give the religion there. We're not going to give Islam a pass in that um, you know radical as people like to say this. So radical radical Islamic extremist. Um, you know if if you follow you know whatever that looks like that radical brand. Although some people say it's just whatever the, the Quran calls for. I've not read it, so I, I, I don't know about that. Maybe, Chase, you can speak to it. But See, that's what gets me is because so many people say it, say it says so many different yeah, things. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, honestly, I honestly do not know what it says, so I, I have not read it. But I am saying if, if it, whether it's radical or not, that extreme view, if it is extreme, it's, it involves the, um, the, the murder of infidels. It involves the um, you know, dying a martyr. Uh, dying a martyr's death in terms of um, in the process of of killing others, killing infidels. Where you know, where Christianity 
if you want to call it radical. And again, some people like David Platt say this is not radical Christianity. This is Christianity. But either way, it is, it is, you know, calling to give up everything you own to move to some place to love and serve people. Uh, there, there's a there's a stark difference. Okay, this is this this is not a stark difference. This is not the same. I mean, the, you know, those who would who would hold to uh, to the fundamentals of Christianity, those who would who would hold uh, to the fundamentals of other religions, it looks quite different. Christianity stands out. Yes, yeah, I I think it stands out, uh, and I mean, I mean, it absolutely does stand out. Um, kind of keep moving forward in the conversation. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but every time. There is a significant terrorist attack. The media will trot out various religious leaders and celebrity Islamic people who will say Islam is a religion of peace. This is not Islam. This is an outlier thing. For instance, this week, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the former basketball star uh, of the Lakers and a couple other teams, he said this this week. He said for, he's, he is a follower of Islam, uh, so he says, and he said, for me, religion, no matter which one, is ultimately about people wanting to live humble, moral lives that create a harmonious community and promote tolerance and friendship with those outside the religious community. Any religious rule should be in service of this goal. The Islam I learned and practice does just that. And I would say respectfully to Mr. Jabbar, that is not Islam. That is not the Quran. That is universalism. That is the – there are many Christians who would say the – or there are many, quote, Christians who would say the exact same things. But that is not the goal of biblical Christianity, to create a harmonious community and promote tolerance and friendship with those outside the religious community. That is not the goal of Christianity. That is not the teaching of Jesus. That is not the teaching of Muhammad or the Quran. It, it, it's just not. That's not Islam. And while I believe and ultimately will say that our posture towards Islam is to be the posture that Jesus told us to have towards our enemies, I would say there is something in Islam that foments violence. And I would want to see more and more of these religious leaders and in, in the Islamic community being asked what it is. For instance, I bet you guys didn't know this. It was very underreported, but in Nigeria just this week, Boko Haram, which is a militant Islamic fa faction, slaughtered approximately 2,000 men, women, and children uh, to the degree that bodies were strewn around everywhere uh, around the Nigerian uh, city of, I think it's Baka. Um, but approximately 2,000 people killed by radical Muslims, uh, the, the Boko Haram, in Baga, not Baka, Baga. There is something in that religion that seems to foment that, that seems to bring forth terrorism. Just like I think there was something in Middle Ages Catholicism that brought forth some of the brutal excesses of the Crusades. Now that wasn't the Catholicism of the eighth of the tenth and eleventh and twelfth thirteenth centuries is not biblical Christianity. Um, it is it is a, a, some sort of bastardization of biblical Christianity. But we still have a situation where, for well over a hundred years, perhaps a good bit more, 
the main expression people in the West see of Islam is violence and terrorism. So more specifically, guys, given that that's what we see, are these people our enemies and such? I guess we'll close up the discussion with this. How do we treat them? Um, I, I do want to make uh, just say this off of that comment uh, from you. That's one of the reasons that I think it's absurd where uh, you know the, the people that have the coexist bumper stickers. I see those all the time. You know, <laughs> but but the idea that look, all all of the religions ultimately point to you know the same place or a similar place, and and they're all ultimately you know teaching truth and 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 it's just not that's not possible you know truth is not relative it, you you can't you know it's it's almost like people are saying well look you you know you take your path up the hill i'll take my path up the hill and eventually we'll all arrive at the same place well it's it's not it's not possible truth is truth is truth there is no relative truth and so it can't be that you know islam and christianity teach Two different things, and we just heard it a moment ago. Islam says there was a, a man named Jesus, but ultimately he was a great prophet who did not die you know, on the cross. And Christianity says he was not a great prophet. He was the Son of God, God in human form, who died as a substitute for our sins and rose again from the dead. Uh, so they teach two totally different things, and you, they, those things can't coexist together in the end in terms of truth. Only one is truth, and then everything else is opposed to it. So, coexisting in terms of coexisting in terms of let's get along, coexisting in terms of let's have conversations. Amen to that. But coexist in terms of let's act like all religions are equal in value and truth is hogwash. It, 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 there's no other word to put toward it. Uh, your question was, you know. If they are our enemies, what do we do to them? The, the teaching of Christ, which is, is very uncomfortable, but just Luke chapter 6, um, it's uncomfortable to our flesh, uh, our flesh, Luke chapter 6, 35. Love your enemies and do good. Uh, lend, expecting nothing in return, uh, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, uh, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So, um, you know, Jesus said... At other points, if you do good to people who can in turn do good back to you, then then you know, you're just like everybody else. You know, do good to those who can return nothing back to you. Do good to your enemies. If you see them, you know, there's text in the Bible that talks about if you see your uh, your enemy and they need a drink, you give them the drink. You know, feed them, clothe them, take care of them. That's what that's the teaching of Christ. Who is your enemy? Then do good to them. Nick, you have any final statement? No, that I mean that that actually does sum up, and in, in, in it's what you said. It, it is difficult, um, but you know you think about what good does it do in these situations to repay evil with evil when when you see so many times you know, turn the other cheek um, if someone asks for your coat, giving your cloak, all, you know all these different things, and and what we want to do um, in terms, especially you know I think of. You know, a lot of times the world my, my my kids will be raised in and, you know, what would I do if, if someone tried to hurt my family? And, and what I, as a man, want to do or what I want to say I'd be willing to do and then versus what the Word says, I struggle with that. And it's no different. It's no different here. Me. I mean, and that is ultimately, look, there is a flesh response that we yeah. want to have. Yeah. But 
you know, what we're, what we're called to do is allow the Word of God to come up to us and, and, and brush up against us like sandpaper and, and just file down, smooth down the roughness. That's what, that's what we're called to do. So there are so many texts where Jesus points us to how to treat our enemies, and it is, quite honestly, it is never going to be how we want to treat them. Mm. It, it's not going to be. You know, what about vengeance? What about justice? The Bible says let, leave that to God. Let God avenge you. Let God, you know, and, and again, I don't think, I don't think that removes the sword from the government of protection and, and, um, and justice, because I think, the, think according to Romans, God has given the governments that. But I do think it, it informs our approach to those that we would consider our enemies. And don't wrestle with what I'm saying. Don't wrestle with what we're talking about on this podcast, but wrestle with the Word yes. about those things when it comes to your particular thoughts and stances toward other religions and people of other religions. Yeah, well, here's my closing statement. Um, let's say that it will be charitable and say, okay, Islam is a peaceful religion just like some of the leaders that we see on TV say it is. Even if it is, even if Islam is a peaceful religion, I'm going to say something very uh, offensive here, but it is the path to hell. Now, I say that on the authority of Jesus, the Son of God, who said, John 14, 6, he's the only way to heaven, not yeah. Muhammad, not the Quran. Uh, he's the only way. Now, if he's telling the truth, and he is telling the truth, then Islam is not the way to eternal life. So how do we handle Islamic people? We do, like you said, David, just exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Uh, John, Luke 6, I was going to read that too. It's funny you, you looked that up. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. That's Jesus talking. We are bound by that. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. So how do we handle Islamic people? We love them. How do we handle Islamic people? We gospel them. Romans 1, 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. The Islamic people need the gospel. They're no more separated from God than we were before Jesus found us. They need the gospel, so we gospel them. And so I say to you, Christian, be careful what you put on social media. Be careful if you're interviewed by the media. Be careful what you say about Islamic people and how you treat them. Yes, they might view you as enemies, but your Lord and our Lord calls us to radically love them, to lay down our lives for them, and to give them the gospel that has been given to us because it is the power of God that brings salvation. And they are no more separated from uh, Jesus than we were before he found us and plucked us from the fire. Amen. And we are not the deciders of who the gospel goes to. Absolutely we, we, not. We're we, called to everybody. We're called to everybody. God makes his appeal through us. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation, and we don't make the decision of who should hear that gospel message. Yes. By the way, when you try to make the decision of who should not hear that gospel message, sometimes you get dumped off of a boat into a raging sea, a la <laughs> Jonah, who also didn't want people from the Middle East to hear the gospel. Although he ended up going there. Yes, Something and he was quite fish. ticked off about it too. God showed mercy. Jonah was a goober. Don't be like Jonah. Be like God. <laughs> or don't be a goober. That's it. One of the two. Okay. For some of us, that may be next to impossible.
All right, so uh, we're going to go from uh, that segment to uh, the hall monitor segment, but it's going to be a lot different this week, guys. So this was the uh, this is the new thing that I was plugging at the beginning of the show, and that is that uh, one of our goals this year with Hall Monitor is to get more people from the Hall of Dogma involved. So we actually want to have an opportunity to get some of the people from the Hall of Dogma to come and, and join us on the podcast and to, uh, and to you know, talk about topics that are in the Hall and, and just get a chance to know them a little bit better. And, so, and before we do that, I would like to propose that we have a treaty of sorts with guests from the hall okay, what that we, do? we covenant together that, for instance, if a male Hall of Dogma person comes on, we covenant not to stalk their wife's Facebook page, for instance. <laughs> okay, Nick, really? do you think that's a good idea? Because I, I certainly think that's a good concur. idea. All right, I think that uh, if, if the person's wife's Facebook page is open – and they add them to the Hall of Dogma right as they're coming on, that it would be okay to, to, to look at the Facebook page. I think that's totally inappropriate, David McStalky, and I don't okay. think you should do that anymore. Okay, should let's take a vote. Um, uh, you two don't count. Okay. I vote yes that it's okay to do. Anybody else? I, I bet right. our I guests would vote no. <laughs> so for the, for, for the first Hall Monitor segment ever, uh, the uh, the guest that we have chosen is Jeremiah Martin, also known as Captain Cadaver. Now, there is no truth to the rumor that we have chosen Captain Cadaver for this first show as a test run in case we decide to actually get rid of Nick. Uh, no uh, truth whatsoever. No truth whatsoever to that. So, Jeremiah, awesome. thanks for joining Thank us, man. All right. Well, fantastic. It's, uh, it's good to be on. Um, also, I have been uh, brushing up on my editing skills uh, just in case they're needed that's very this good lovely awesome this is we, going we, so we, well. uh, we appreciate that very much so uh jeremiah tell us a little bit about yourself just uh where you are and uh and what you have going on in life uh yeah sure um, um i'm from ohio uh, i live in ohio currently working um i work for a nonprofit veterans organization um i am uh, going to seminary um going to liberty university working mm. on my um, MDiv and, uh, um, you know, slowly but surely working on that. As I said, I also work full time and, uh, I have, uh, a wife and, uh, and three kids at home, um, two boys and a girl. Um, so that's always keeping me busy as well. Um, and, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy the occasional podcast. Awesome. So we appreciate you. So you've listened since, uh, I don't know what I don't remember which episode you kind of came along at, but it's been a while, hasn't it? I I I heard about it on episode seven, I think it was seven or eight, and then I went back and 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 listened to uh, the beginning ones, um, all five pilots. Um, there were and, a lot uh, of pilots. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were there, there were a lot of pilots and pre-pilots. And, well, to be to be fair, I actually I actually think that um, that one of the so-called pilots wasn't published. Um, because you guys always mentioned that there was a, there was one. Even, it was even referenced in the pilot. Yes, I think it was on for a so It was so on for that a was while. never published, and then it was taken. It was actually published was for a very short amount of time, and then uh, Chase, I think, asked us to uh, to take it down. It was it was not it was not you know professionally done, and so, um, but yeah, it's a um, you know we we. 
it was up for a while and then it, and then it came down. So I asked uh, us to take it down. I don't yeah, really it was just. I, I think your comment was it wasn't a good introduction to the world. It'd probably be oh, funny to go back and pull. You statistic know, pull out now. wise, a lot of people downloaded and listened to that, and that was probably the first exposure to the show. So, yeah. um, so Jeremiah, do you know how you came across the podcast? I'm just just curious. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, actually, I was I was followed on Twitter. So, oh, okay. I wasn't one of the first. Well, I wasn't one of the first ten. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's our trick for getting listeners is to follow you on Twitter. Um, yeah. it's, it's a clever trap. Except when it backfires and, and you follow um, some uh, atheists and people that. Yeah, what was that? What was that? that <laughs> don't really care about that, that. that. You said at one point, um, we, why are we following non Christians? Wasn't that you that said that? That was not me that said that. I will, I will say this <laughs> I had a very interesting experience. I remember that. Uh, over the months following atheists on Twitter, a lot of times they will tweet and very politely say, hey, th- you know, thanks for following, but I don't think you wanted to follow me. Yeah, and I, I've seen that. I will always engage in discussions with those kind of people and say, you know, obviously it's because maybe they, they have profanity in their profile or there's some, some sort of clear, obvious sinner. But their, uh, you know, their, their take on the church is that we don't like sinners. We're not interested in what they're saying. They don't realize we're all sinners. I mean, we're all just apart from Jesus. We're, we're stinking lost people. And and I you know I think they kind of have a view of us that we're like Pharisees who don't want to get ourselves dirty by by talking or reaching out to them. I kind of want to change that perception. So yeah. I, I've seen a few that have have said like, um, "Oh look, I just got followed by the gospel friends. Let's see how long it takes them to unfollow Except, yeah, me." Yeah, true. And, uh, and so and and then they've actually apparently went on some kind of a, a you know a campaign to try to get us to, we've, to un- we've done there was a, some podcast in england that did that indeed some podcast guys so there was also a radical <laughs> hindu person that uh, yeah. really hated jesus he and did. the gospel friends and, and he and, let uh, us know it so. let us know it in no uncertain terms an expert user of profanity we also we also recently got some <laughs> That's uh, diplomatic we, we also recently got some pretty um interesting tweets some from someone in ohio talking about the uh, ohio state alabama game and it was like hashtag sorry not sorry in your face uh i can't remember that guy's name but um you're all fair now uh, Jeremiah, Just, do you know David, really, about? you're off here. Do you know anything? So about Chase, um, what do you think is going to happen? I, do you do you know anything about college football up in Ohio? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, full disclosure, um, not a uh, not a, li- a lifelong Buckeyes fan. Uh, I actually uh, actually married in, uh-huh. so I've only been a fan for about five years. Um, I am actually uh, I my that entire family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, my my whole family's actually been a, a, a lifelong uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers fan. We ah. actually uh, we actually used to live um, in Nebraska, and um, and so when when I married Emily, we we kind of had to come to an agreement that um, that we we actually. Uh, um, are on good terms with each other's teams as long as they're not playing each other, which they didn't play this year. So, um, so I was able to be a, a full-on Buckeyes fan. So, like I said, only about five years fan, but uh, you know, slightly longer than David. So, okay, yes, yeah, slightly nice. longer. Than I was. Uh, I just recently became Ohio State fan. Whatever. I can't remember who. Are you still a Buckeyes fan? Uh, no. 
That's right. No. You were just a one week Buckeye fan. Go Ducks! But yeah, uh, but, yeah. but, but hey, see the truth comes out. All right, so we're How's recording feel, this. We're recording this the day before the national championship game. So Jeremiah, how, how do you see the game tomorrow night uh, uh, unfolding? Hey, be careful. We don't want to anger the the football haters. Uh, that's true. Just real quick. Just real quick. It's worth. Is look if you don't if you listen to this podcast and you hate football, it, it's almost over for yeah. many months. So Jeremiah, how do you see the game going tomorrow night? Well, actually, uh, to bring it on around, um, me and uh, um, some guys um, actually from several churches in my area, we just started a a men's Bible study. And so tomorrow night we've got our Bible study starting at 7, which will then then go straight into the – OSU game, so um, it's going to be going to be a good time. Obviously, I'm uh, I'm hopeful. Um, I mean, if you can take on Alabama, I think you can take on some some ducks. So. Oh, why is my heart hurting all of a sudden? It's Ouch. okay. It's still too soon. It's still too soon. <laughs> okay. By the way, I pick Ohio State in a shocker by ten. Really, really yep. awesome. Okay, who you got, Nick? I, I do think Oregon's going to win. Yeah, I, okay. I really do. And, I think, it, and no offense to Ohio State, they I mean they clearly they clearly beat Alabama. It was not a I mean, you know, Alabama was trying to make a comeback of it, yes, but they they came back from that, you know, what they 21 points down and they they never went I mean, so, I mean with, with a third string quarterback, but look, that saying. boy that boy went playing like point. third string anything. I'm just True point. <laughs> I'm not, I know where he was on the depth chart, but that boy wasn't playing like a Thursday quarterback. Twelve gauge did some balling. I'm going to go with the Ducks. I do think that uh, it's time for them to win championship. You know, guys, they haven't been to the national championship since uh, 2010 when they uh, who they play um, Auburn. So Auburn no name team when Auburn beat them in the national championship. <laughs> so you know. So anyway, go go Ducks. Enough. Right, let's let's football. let's get to the Hall of Dogma, guys. So. Uh, uh, you know, it was. This has been one of the most active weeks in the Hall of Dogma uh, since um, you know the community kind of came around. This it would was, probably uh, be the most active week. We yeah, had uh, well over sixty posts, one of which had a uh, hundred and com- hundred and something comments on it. Now that's not reformed pub numbers, but that's that's pretty <laughs> high. That's that's great for us. So I'm I'm not gonna lie. Um, as much activity as there was in the hall this week, I actually was extremely surprised to see that there was only 118 members. Um, I was like, wow, they must have increased significantly. And I was like, I mean, it's increased a little bit, but um, but they're just um, everyone seems to be pretty active. So yes. it keeps it interesting. They are prodigious posters in the yeah, hall of dogma. Absolutely. Uh, How many big words can Chase use? So, so let's uh, let's go through some of the um, let's go through some of the comments. Before we do that, real quick, Jeremiah, who is your favorite of the three gospel friends? Uh, who, who do you like the best? Uh, well, well, before we started talking, I would have said David because <laughs> you're a Buckeyes fan, but uh, apparently that was short lived. And Touché. now you're the turncoat. So, Good job. Uh, Good job. Good for you, Jeremiah. Oh, I, and, and I'm looking to take Nick's spot. So I'm going to have to say Chase. This is you know awesome. what? This is you great. answered wisely. Good job. <laughs> Turned out good great. for Chase. I believe you have the spiritual gift of wisdom. All right. <laughs> for, the, for the record, be warned. David would bump either one of Chase or I if he could get the general on full time. So just, just be warned. 
I'm a general fan. Uh, all right, so so James McSorley from uh, our friend from my Ireland, my people's home country of Ireland. Uh, yeah, you're Irish. They uh, uh, James is uh, doing some preaching at the end of the month, and so he uh, asked us uh, in a comment on the hall if we had any. Um, love to hear some kind of uh, preaching preparation or teaching preparation tips, and so I'll just kind of we won't spend a lot of time on this. Just kind of go around uh, go around the uh, the table here. We'll start with Nick and, and end up with Jeremiah. Just uh, uh, anything that you would say in terms of someone getting ready uh, to uh, to do some teaching. Uh, maybe this is not not something they typically do. Just some some tips uh, that you would give. Well, I asked Chase if he's ever preached about it and asked for his notes. Um, good, good and plan. that's where no. Um, it, it usually it depends on if it's if it's topical or um, if it's within. Um, we we did a lot of teaching books at a, at a time um, in the most consecutive consecutive time I've had teaching, and so um, I have a couple of places that I, I go to. I'll read through the passage. Um, I have a study Bible, the ESV study Bible by Crossway. Um, that was I used for a lot of the um, concordant stuff, the jumping back and forth. And Blue Letter Bible um, served me well for um, cross-reference, dictionary, uh, stuff like that. Um, and then there was a few different um, – depending on subject matter, um, there are a few different pastors. I would kind of look up their, um, their thoughts on it and just – I would really see what kind of kept – bubbling to the top as I read and prayed, um, and I would dive into the things that just the Lord kept kind of bringing, bringing up to me. But I, I tried not to ever take for granted, oh, this is what it says, you know, this is what I think, let's do this. I, I really did try to kind of take a multitude of counsel in so much as you can through books and things like that. If it's if it's topical, that's a much different, that's a much um, bigger challenge for me, I, I think, personally, just because there's so many different places you can pull from in, in the Word. And so um, a lot of times I'll defer to um, one of the most recent times I had topical teaching. It was with a discipleship weekend. And so I kind of deferred to their structure a little bit um, and, and started there yeah. and, and went, went kind of built out from there. So Very good. that's me. That's uh, blueletterbible.org Correct. Is, that, yeah. uh, is that website. Uh, for me, I will, uh, I'll just give a tip, um, and this is kind of gen- general, but um, you know, in the early days as you're learning to teach, you will probably model someone. You mm-hmm. probably are going to you know, either who may be, maybe someone who's mentoring you or just someone that you enjoy listening to. You'll model a little bit of their style, but um, you know, my, my, my best advice there is, is eventually you've got to find out who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, how someone else prepares, how someone else uh, gets ready to do teaching. Ultimately, you've got to figure out what works best for you, and, and then and then do it. So you know, I'm a big John Piper fan, but mm-hmm. I've listened to how Piper prepares, and it wouldn't work for me. It, mm-hmm. Just doing what Piper does would not work for me in preparation. So you know, you really have to find something, find what works for you in getting ready, doing your research. Putting together your message, your your outline, um, you know, which usually outlines are very helpful, especially in the beginning when you haven't taught a lot before. Mm-hmm. And um, but you got to find out what works for you, which will only happen in trial and error. I mean, you just have to get into it, and it'll change over time, and eventually, kind of find your style and your groove, uh, which may end up being a compilation of, of several people. Chase, okay, here's here's what I would say. Uh, probably the number one preaching tip is start with the word. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to sound 
you know, biblical or, or whatever. That'd be bad. We don't I sound mean, biblical I, on I'm this show. I'm not trying to sound mature, <laughs> I, but I'm serious. You, you, you got to start with the biblical text, and you've got to keep on with the biblical text. All right, so say you're you're preaching on, I don't know, Hebrews chapter 7, which is a, a message we got coming up. It, it, the way I was taught to read the Bible, and it was, it was actually by John MacArthur, um, uh, listening to a series of messages on him, how to study the Bible. One of the things he said, and it's very simple, read a passage over and over and over and over again. And, and it, that may, may sound monotonous, but you've got to get, the word has to get very deep in you. And, and you're not going to understand it on the first read, especially not Hebrews. Hebrews is really deep. Mm-hmm. The, the more you read and take notes and really sit there and ponder the word, in light of the Holy Spirit, that's where the sermon needs to come from. It needs to come from the Word. Now, I'm not going to say there's not sermons I've preached that have come from topics or situations or even current events from time to time. But by and large, the sermon needs to come from the Word. It needs to be surrounded by other passages in the Word that inform the particular passage you're teaching on. And if I could throw one more thing in there, I would say it really does help to have a impactful on-topic story to tell that's not made up, that's not somebody else's story. It's something personal uh, and and powerful and meaningful to you. But start with the Word. Yeah, I don't don't think you have to, you know, some people want to have an illustration for every point. I'm not a guy who thinks uh, that you need to do that. But having a, a a good story or illustration that drives home your point is is uh, is a good idea. Uh, Speaking to style, though, that can be huge because some people. That's where I, I would encourage because a lot of the teaching I've done recently has been since I've been here the more consecutive, and it's difficult to not hear you guys preach every week and in my mind just in my mind expect to need to sound like you guys. Yeah. But that's not how I sound teaching, and yeah. so. Don't be afraid to use illustrations, but don't don't use them as a crutch because you don't know what to say. I, I so I just didn't want to. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I agree with that. All right, so Jeremiah, we can go over to you. I know. So you're in seminary. Uh, you've done some teaching, and I think you told me that you and your brother were you're developing a teaching seminar on uh, Christianity and culture. Uh, maybe you said. Uh, yeah, my my brother and I have been working on this for a little bit. Um, my brother and I work for the same organization, um, but uh, we've uh, we've been able to have some flexibility to kind of uh, uh, do our own things on the side. And um, so, one of the things we've been working on is is yeah, um, a, a seminar of sorts, um, focusing on Christianity and culture and how we should. Uh, um, interact with culture and, and ways that it's been done um, well in the past, ways that it's not been done well, how we should move forward. Um, we're actually going to be speaking at uh, several fairly large um, homeschool conventions um, over, over the next uh, year or so, um, this year. So, so that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I've also done, I've also done some preaching and teaching. Um, you know, my bachelor's degree was in pastoral ministry um so i've i've had the classes and 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 done the work but also you know some practical experience you know my um my method has always been kind of just wait till the last day and uh you know the day before and then uh um i i pick a manual's uh least favorite preachers and teachers and then i just pretty much copy them (laughs) copy them verbatim so um 
That's great. That's hey, I got I a copy of a Joel Osteen commentary I can sell you there. Uh, you will really find it beneficial, Jeremiah. Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've got them all already. Okay, good. Yeah. So, um, Mine's off. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, but seriously, uh, <laughs> get us get us back on track. Thank um, you. Good luck. Um, <laughs> he has no idea what he's done. Um, you know, and, and you guys have had this conversation in the past as far as, you know, expository preaching versus topical preaching. And to a certain extent, I kind of think it's a, a false dichotomy. Um, and so there was definitely in your guys' conversations, I, I kind of wanted to jump in, but obviously I couldn't at the time. So, um, but one of the things that, that I've always done, I, I agree, you know, start with the word. Um, that's, that's a fantastic point. Um, but going, you know, on the topical end of things, a lot of times the way that it works in my in my walk is there will be an inspiration for a sermon, whether it's uh, someone else's sermon or just kind of got my mind rolling in a certain direction or a current event starts me thinking about a topic. And a lot of times what happens is I have a topic and this this scripture is is where i want to preach from or teach from and then i go and dig into the into the word and and um i i i realize that that that's not the direction that that god was pulling me he was he used situations in my life to bring me to a passage but the passage might not necessarily be about that topic. And so, um, so that's kind of what I mean about, you know, topical versus expository. Most of my preaching is expository. Um, but I also don't necessarily agree with the, um, with, with the, the, the thinking that, you know, it's gotta be one passage and you can't leave that passage. Um, because I, I think that one thing we learn is, you know, uh, scripture interprets scripture and, um, you can't, you know, it's not just this scripture verse in a vacuum or this chapter in a vacuum. And so I always try to bring in other um, scriptures, especially if I'm in the Old Testament, bring in the New Testament or vice versa. But, what you know, the point is not to turn it into a topical uh, message where I'm just proof texting here and there, but really um, expositing one passage but then seeing how that relates to other scriptures and maybe there's scriptures that have, have a different perspective on it that can kind of bring it full circle. So um, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, you know, in, in a nutshell what I do and, and bringing in uh, – I, I try and bring in a lot of resources, a lot of different perspectives, perspectives that might be other than my own um, and, and, and really trying to flesh out what, what God is you know, speaking to me in this passage and, and what he wants – what he, what you know, the message that he wants to to be um, preached or taught. So that's, that's interesting about reading or getting um, perspectives that aren't your own. I think that's uh, that's a way to be able to to really grow. And at the same time, you know, you're talking about um, you know those methods. You know, for me, I think what I do now looks quite different from what I you know what I used to do. I think when I when I first got started, I I relied heavily on outlines. And commentaries, not to copy, but to to kind of inform. And what I have found now is I still I still have people like you guys were talking about. Still still have people and research that I bring in, but um, typically uh, I'll find that those uh, those things uh, I have a much better grasp of the text and I have a much better grasp of what I want to say out of the text. So I think 
over time, like teaching is something that that you grow in. Like you 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 learn how to do. You grow in your gift, uh, so to speak. And so, it, just over time, I, I think you'll. The more you do it, the better you are, or at least the uh, better you are at preparing and understanding. So I would agree with that. One thing Jeremiah said that I think is huge is Scripture interprets Scripture. Yes. And, and anybody that doesn't understand that about preaching, teaching the Word uh, is missing You know, maybe the, one of the most foundational things there, that we understand Scripture by other Scripture, which sheds light on it. Amen to that. So, uh, James McSorley, hope that is a help, and let us how, know how the uh, teaching goes toward the end of the month. Uh, guys, we're going to just have a, actually a couple more minutes, uh, so we're just uh, maybe one more topic from the hall this week. Chase, there was an article posted, uh, what was it? Um, it was posted uh, by Herschel Kreis. Yeah. And, and David, I want to help you out here, pronunciation-wise. Okay. I'm going to give you a little trick, okay? okay? Here, Here's how you pronounce oh, yeah. Herschel Kreis's name. Can you say the word rice? Rice. Good. Now put a K in front of it. Crease. Right. No. <laughs> Let's try again. Okay. Can you say the word rice? Rice. Good. Can you say the word ice, by the way? Ice. Good. You see how I see. rice I see yeah. is an R in front yeah. of ice. Okay. Christ yeah. is a K yeah. and an R in front of ice. All right, let me try it again. K rice. Okay, you're really you're really getting closer. We're gonna stop now and give you a chance to you know improve okay. over the next right, week. So hey, my, I, I've got somebody right in the other room who's been really um, making some progress with pronunciations. My five year old um, bring school him in tomorrow. <laughs> okay, uh, you might want to attend with him. Sounds right. good. I, I was just about to say you know I, I don't want to be too derogatory, but. Uh, I was just about to say that I, I feel like this is a conversation I've had with my three-year-old in the past. It's yes. Like, well, sometimes, you know, <laughs> welcome, welcome there's, to our there's dyslexia of reading, which we don't make fun of. Uh, I have a family member with dyslexia. There's also dyslexia of pronunciation, Well, uh, apparently. And I've just coined that as a the, new uh, uh, The gift thing. of pronunciation is not – it does not belong to me. So well, my wife and I have many arguments over things like because she 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 tries to say things like it's not Chester drawers it's chest of drawers she she doesn't get it uh, so you know there there are things that I have to explain to her that I understand uh, yeah so she's not gifted in that area she's either. not I was filing an old email today and I saw Bean's email about Chester drawers by the Chester way. drawers anyway that, that's what, okay well this is an article from Herschel Kreiss. Written by a young pastor named Ben Reed, and it is 10 Things You Forget About Pastors. Now, we don't have time to go through all of them, but uh, I'll throw out a few of these, and you guys can comment on them. Uh, Number one, preaching is a lot of work. This is something we tend to forget about pastors. What do you think, guys? True, false, indifferent to that one? Well, uh, you know, I I think it is a lot of work. This is what I'll say about about preaching that I have found. It is, it is in, you know, you put a lot into the preparation. Uh, so, so for example, this message this week, uh, so I preached this morning, I, I would guess um, I probably spent eight to, uh, we'll, we'll go with eight hours. So I probably spent eight hours of prep um, on, on today's message. But I think preaching in general where it is work is it's emotionally draining like to when mm-hmm. when you preach it's there there's an emotional or a spiritual um component to it mm-hmm. and there's it there's Absolutely. a draining I, I feel like there literally there are times where i come down from 
preaching, and I, I could literally go home and just you know nap for a couple yeah. hours. There's a there's just a ah. Oh, you know, a, a draining that happens, and uh, so uh, that, that's something that I have found. I don't know exactly what that's about, but uh, uh, so I, I do think it is work in that sense. Good work, I love it. But um, you and I, David, are very much people persons in different sort of ways, but we're both relational. But but I, I can say after I've preached, there is that letdown of of energy. Sometimes I just want to go sit in a dark room for a little bit and just. I don't know, exist quietly, pray, yeah. uh, and chill. That, that's one of the more challenging things. I always want to talk to people, but right after you, you, you're you done preaching, I, sometimes you're right. It, it is draining. A real quick story to the, you know, to that first point is, um, you know, I, I think you guys know this. I, I have a military background. I don't, I don't think I mentioned that in my introduction. Um, I am, I am an army veteran. Um, but when when someone found out that I was um, – someone in my unit found out that I was um, wanting to be a chaplain and they found out that for the first time they found out that chaplains have to have you know a master's degree, you know, this, this one guy was completely dumbfounded and said, I thought all you really had to do was you know, read the Bible and talk about it. Um, <laughs> wow. And so wow. you know, there is – unfortunately – and this guy was outside of the church. But unfortunately, there is kind of that mentality even within the church. Um, and so I, I agree. You know, it can be taxing. Um, it, does, it does take a lot of work. Um, at least you know, it should take a lot of work um, you know, unless you're Mark Driscoll, um, which I <laughs> really envy his, uh, his ability to um, just – you know, do what he does, yeah, or just at least did. Just, just yeah, just get up there and just go. It's not said enough, uh, but for all his foibles, uh, Mark Driscoll is a brilliant mind. I mean, he is okay. a very intelligent man. All right, let's do two more of these, and then we'll close the show out. Uh, this is one I thought interesting. Uh, I'll just read it to you. Number two, preaching is stressful. If you emphasis on the you mess up in your job, your boss might get upset with you. If we preachers mess up in our job. God is upset with us. I'd rather get the stink eye from your boss than mine any day. What do you think about that, guys? Yes. Uh, look, I, the um, the disciple. Ooh, Mike. Sorry. Uh, the discipleship weekend. I was I was privileged to talk on recently. It was about the word, and I'm like, awesome. I get it. Get to have the opportunity to speak, preach um, about the the weightiness and the, and the importance of the word, and and I'm going. How do you adequately speak to that? Um, and it, it's an honor, but you know the, the Bible makes pulls no punches about the severity um, associated with those who are called and blessed with the opportunity to preach. But what? How serious you should take that? And so, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I didn't particularly like the way he wrote that. Like. It, yeah, me either. No, I, I don't necessarily like what thing. he said. His no, verbiage. No, but. no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. I agree with the principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, the Bible says if if you if you aim to be a teacher, you you know you you are you know essentially you're going to be um, held uh, at a different um, level of accountability. Level of accountability, but. I, I, yeah, I didn't care for the way that he worded that. It it it, it really came Especially, off. Especially, I'd rather get the stink eye. Really? Yeah, it really came off as kind of wow. You know, I have it very difficult and hard, and and I like Ben Reed. I I, I don't you know I, I like him, but uh, like his writing. But I just I didn't care for the way that he put that. I, I don't something about the way he wrote that mentality that I would not agree with. 
Good. You know, and I, and I think I think there's also you know uh, a principle in the scripture that you know our best is you know filthy rags, mm. yeah. and so there there's there's also a sense that you know there there's great humility in in preaching and teaching, or at least there should be, and. And so I, I I struggle with the way the way that he put that is be, because um, I, I think that as just as as humans and, and and God's children we're given a lot we're given a lot of grace and we're given a lot of of, of understanding and so I, I I don't know I I just don't like it almost gives me a mental picture of. You know, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of kids have this idea of it's just, you know, this old man in the sky with a fly swatter. And, and so I, I, I don't like that. I mean, yeah, it, absolutely. It's a, it, you know, preaching it, it I don't want to say burden, but, you know, we are hold, held to a higher standard and that that's, you know, that should be a very heavy weighty thing as, you know, as it was said. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but it, it didn't. The way you put that didn't really sit right with me. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, obviously, we will be held accountable, but I don't think God's going to fly swat us as soon as we step down from a bad sermon, and everybody's going to do one. I think there's a difference too. I know we got to move on, but I think there's a difference too in in you know just apathetic indifference and and just being being um, reckless in teaching and your preparation and teaching methods and and, and I think there's a difference there and in. Oh, you didn't say this exactly right, and so now God's smiting you over that. I, yeah. I, I just it's not the way I picture it. There I, is grace, and God will use uh, the weakness of man to His strength. You find that all through Second Corinthians. All right, no comments on this one. Just I want to acknowledge it, and then I'll give you one more to comment on. He says, number six: If you tell us some important detail on a Sunday morning, we'll probably forget it. I, I can't. I can't believe how true that is. Yeah, that is true. Your brain just is not working after you preach or before. It's weird. All right, here's one for you. Uh, the final one. Criticisms need to wait. He says seriously. If you have a bone to pick, call us on Tuesday. We'll be in a much better spot to handle criticism then than on your way out the door on Sunday. What do you think? I, I'm going to jump on this one first because I don't preach here a lot. Um, but I'll just go ahead and say criticisms can wait. Criticisms can wait. Questions. Hey. What about this? Hey, what about that? Discussions? That's cool. Would would prefer you wait till Tuesday, but don't criticize your pastors. Anyway, sorry, I, I get up on a soapbox about that. Um, if, if you don't have a God loving, God honoring, God fearing pastor, find a different church. But if you do, and and he takes serious the the office he has, don't criticize him. Don't criticize their sermons. Pray for him. You know, love on him. Absolutely. Support him. Anyways, go yeah, ahead, I, please. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, even going back to the last point, you know, I, I think a lot of times I'm my, my hardest critic. And so, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't preach a ton, but when I have preached, you know, I, I come down almost with a low view of, you know, I didn't, I didn't give the proper preparation, even if it has been 10 or 20 hours of preparation, you know, I always think I could have been more prepared. I could have said this better. And, and so I, I absolutely agree that that's that's the last thing that I would need coming down from the pulpit. Um, not to say that I necessarily need only affirmation, but you know it's it it is it's a um, it is a, it is a taxing um, it's a taxing thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. 
Yeah, I would say this, and I, I don't I, look. I, I don't know that I've ever had anyone just criticize something that I said. I, I agree with Nick. I think questions. Um, and I may, if you if you come and have a question, I may say, hey, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Let me get back with you this week. Let's talk sure. about that. I mean, you know, it, it is your like you guys are saying, you're coming down from a pretty draining um, moment, but um, you know, as you're preaching. But uh, I, I will say, let me give a flip. If you a flip to that, if you you know, look for ways to encourage your pastor as much as. You know, maybe have um, constructive criticism to give them. I think I think what a lot of us do, and I think I do this too. We we tend to wow, that was really you know I, that really meant something to me, and we forget to share that with someone. And when we remember to go talk to them, it's when we have a a, a bone to pick, so to speak, or a question. <laughs> right. um, the, the absolute best encouragement that that I can be given is for someone to come up to me or later on say, "Oh man, you know." You shared this, and God just God spoke to me. That spiritually meant something to me. I, I don't need the oh that sounded great this morning or that was terrific. I think I did need that in my early days of preaching, but I, I don't I don't honestly need that. Um, you know the, that that was great today kind of thing. What I need to hear for me is if I'm going to spend eight twelve hours a week preparing a message. I would like to understand how is this impacting you spiritually? Mm-hmm. Is is did did God use this in your yeah. life? Because that feeds and fuels me um, to want to be a better pastor and do do other things. I, and that may sound I'm not trying to say we're well, fishing for compliments. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't 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 give right. just compliments just to be giving them. I don't need those. But man, if if God speaks to you through something that some work I've done. If if God speaks to you through what your pastor has done, those are the kind of things I think you let people, you people, you know, let your pastor know about. It's very helpful. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, that, it's huge to hear that kind of thing. I will say this: I, I've come to appreciate questions, even difficult questions. And, and if you have a criticism of of a pastor's message, how about you think about it for quite a while, especially if it's somebody you love and you trust and know is a, a person of the word. Think about it for a while and turn your criticism into a non-obvious critical question. Mm. I know when people ask me hard questions about a message I, I've given, I know they're thinking about it. I know it's it's impacted them to some degree. I know that it's gotten past the, the just the barest level of their conscience. It's sunk down. Even if they don't agree, I know there's some impact there, and the, and the dialogue that could come from a question is always welcome. So I, if you have a criticism of, of your pastor, turn it into a question, and not just like, a, you know, why are you such a moron kind of question where it's obvious you're criticizing them with a the question. Something really thoughtful uh, and, 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 you know, something really thoughtful that shows you're wrestling with what was said. Amen to that. That's good. That's good. Uh, good article this week by uh, – Herschel awesome. K. Rice and uh, we. Uh, oh, that was bad. <laughs> so uh, and we <laughs> and uh, we we love the Hall of Dogma. Thank you for everybody who, who works out there post during the week. Um, I really it is a blessing to just kind of see that community. And it, you know, I don't want to sound too uh, uh, you know um, emotional uh, or whatever, but you know that was the idea we had with this podcast to mm-hmm. begin with. The whole thing was having conversations and and looking for ways to get people involved in conversations. And I've said this many times, but our inspiration for the podcast was going to Waffle House till 
2 a.m., <laughs> laughing, cutting up, making jokes, and talking theology. And, and so we, you know, the fact that we have a Facebook group that's out there and, and people from all over the world, quite honestly, who are engaging with each other and having those conversations, um, that that was the goal. I mean, that yeah, was the dream. And, and we so love, praise God for we that. We love what God has done with the Hall of Dogma. And you can join it at facebook.com slash group slash hall of dogma. So, Jeremiah, we appreciate you joining us and being the first ever guest. We hope this is not the last time that you have an opportunity to come on during the Hall Monitor segment. Uh, any, any parting comments for you? I uh, just wanted to say thanks for pronouncing my name correctly. And, uh, <laughs> you can see it, it, it can be difficult. It means a lot to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it sets you apart from the rest that I uh, got your name right. So Can we uh, can we advertise your, your Twitter feed in case people want to follow kind of your adventures in ministry and things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, at Jeremiah D. Martin. All right. We'll awesome. that as well. So we'll have that uh, join, uh, follow Jeremiah out on the Twitter. Jeremiah, and, you did a great job, man. Yes, absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Way to go. I love, I love the Twitter. The Twitter. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Yes. All right, guys. So instead of us crash landing the plane, I think what we when should. When do we ever do that? <clears throat> you obviously don't listen to the end of the show. <laughs> okay. I'd like to give the final word to Jeremiah. Final word of the week to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, it's all yours, buddy. All right. Go Buckeyes. Yeah, there you go. Good, good job. Good job. That's a wrap for episode 33. See you next week. Grace and peace. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Hey, by the way, not to not to get into your business, man, because I really don't. Um, I hope this isn't about as what are you again? about to do? But uh, whoever Karen and Nick San Filippo is, they they are really into bacon. So like every <laughs> every fourth post on your on Emily's Facebook page is them posting about a bacon subscription or recipe. To I don't her mean page. to get in your business, but I've been looking at your wife's Facebook page the whole time. <laughs> really, McConnell? That, how can that be appropriate yeah, for, to say? Well, for, yeah, for like a solid thirty minutes, I've just been creeping on her. So y'all went. Yeah. So y'all went to Disney World, huh? Yeah. <laughs> David McConnell. <laughs> Look. Uh, oh. So so a couple things. So first of all, I love um, Disney. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you about to invite yourself to their on their next trip? Like, when are y'all going? <laughs> no. Abort, abort. Can we meet David or something? Give him some medicine. Take your wallet, uh, Garth. <laughs>